Good morning. It's great to have you here with us. Let's all stand up and sing together.
Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us here together this morning and just just so we can come and just praise your name and worship you, Lord. We know that um, a lot of us are, are carrying a lot of baggage and a lot of stress and worry, and Lord, but we just lift that up to you this morning, and we, we know that you're just going to take care of all of that for us and just lead us in the direction that we need to go throughout the week. Lord, help us to focus on you today and help us to be ready to worship and to praise your name. In your name I pray. Amen. you may not know and we invite the children to come forward to join us for a few moments of sharing. Mm -hmm. 
is crowded. It's nice to see you all this morning. How are you guys? Good? All right, well, I'm not sure about this, but I believe there have been probably more songs written about love than anything else. I have to admit that I love a good love song, and I bet your parents do too. Last night, I went on the computer and looked online for a list of love songs, and there were a lot. And I had to promise Riley and Hannah Grace that I would not sing any of them today. They were kind of embarrassed that I might do that. They just don't appreciate my talents. But anyway, here are um, some songs that your parents might know. For the young of heart generation, we have The Way You Look Tonight, When I Fall in Love, and Elvis singing I Can't Help Falling in Love and Love Me Tender. Lauren, you look confused. Mm. Well, and next... For the next generation, that's I'm young in my mind, if not my body, we have I want to know what love is, I will always love you, I just called to say I love you, and how deep is your love? No, I'm not. Well, here is a song that you guys may know, and if you know it, you could sing along, and I'm going to pass this to Riley, okay? I love you, you love me, we are one big family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you, won't you say you love me too? All right, very good. <laughs> well, that's probably a goldie oldie for you guys, because um, that was from Barney, the great big purple dinosaur. Nowadays, you guys are probably listening to Taylor Swift's love song, right? And I think this is Mr. Andy and um, Pastor Holt's favorite, too. Um, Selena Gomez. That song, what is it? I love you. I love you like a love song. I love you like a love song. I think I've seen them out on their porches dancing to that. But anyhow, let me get back on track. One day, a man named Jesus, a man asked Jesus, sorry, what is the greatest commandment? Now, do you guys know the commandments? How many of them do we have? We have 10 that he said we should follow. But guess what? You know, there was actually a lot more. There were 613 laws to follow. 613 rules. That's a lot, isn't it? 248 do's. And 365 don'ts. That's a lot to remember. But Jesus said to the man, and this was the most important commandment, love the Lord with all your heart. You know this one? Yeah. And with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second one was love your neighbor as you love yourself exactly so remember love is one of the most important things in the world and that also reminds me of another song all you need is love let's pray dear father help us to love you with all our hearts and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves amen
It's good to see all of you. Glad we can be together today as we come for this time of worship. And if you're a guest among us today, we're glad to have you here. And we invite you to come back and participate in other aspects of our church life. As often as you can, you are always welcome with us. <clears throat> if you have some prayer concerns today that you would like us to join you in sharing our thoughts and hearts and prayers uh, with you, we ask you to fill out a prayer card and we'll collect those in a few minutes. If you raise your hand, we'll pass you a prayer card and you can write something down that you don't mind me repeating and we will join you uh, in those prayer requests. We do hope if you're... Uh, visiting with us today. You can stay around for the Sunday school hour for all ages at 10. <clears throat> we have our traditional worship service at 11 and then activities you'll hear about in a moment uh, this evening. Speaking of which, kids, our Sunday night programs, mission kids, choir and Bible study continues tonight. We will see you from 530 to 7 uh, this afternoon evening. We hope that you plan to join us uh, next Sunday for our annual Halloween Carnival and Trunk or Treat starting at 5 p.m. in our Family Life Center on, on uh, the 30th of uh, October. Um, so there will be um, activities here in the gym. There will be hot dogs. There will be um, activities outside for trunk, trunk or treating. So we hope you will be here for that. Also, next Sunday is uh, Pink Sunday. Some places are celebrating it today, but uh, we ask that you wear pink to church next Sunday as we celebrate survivors and those, and we honor and remember those who've uh, lost the battle with breast cancer. You are invited to join us in supporting the international mission of Operation Christmas Child. Look for additional information on the table outside the Family Life Center or in your Sunday school classrooms. Also see Katie Jeter or Joy Hudson with questions or additional information. We will collect from now until Sunday, November 20th. So this is a project for Christmas that we need to finish before Thanksgiving. So uh, help us with that, please. <clears throat> we are now taking sign-ups for uh, uh, late fall and winter basketball league uh, activities here. Um, we'd ask you to go to our website, www.greerchurch.com, to register uh, for the uh, basketball teams. And if you have any questions, uh, Robbie Septon is going to be around if he's not here now. Here he is. Uh, we'll be here to talk with you later and take questions uh, from you then. Also, today is um, Good Samaritan Sunday, uh, uh, a Sunday every month that we've begun receiving extra dollar bills to help the needy who come to us asking for assistance, and uh, there are a large number of these folks that do that. Um, so if you have an extra dollar bill sitting in your pocket or pocketbook or wallet, um, if you'll place the loose offering in the uh, offering plates in a little while, that's what... Uh, what that will go for today. Do you have your prayer cards ready if you raise them up? <clears throat> As they come forward, uh, see Bill Clute. 
You know, did you all know that Bill has been building an airplane since I think he was in the third grade? I'm not sure when he started. <clears throat> but anyway, I thought about him yesterday. I heard that two planes got chased off over Washington, D.C., but he said he wasn't one of those. But he did get his airplane up a week ago, got it off the ground, and it worked well except for the motor. But he did get back down. <sighs> but we will see him going to new heights. <laughs> also, would you believe that I made the front page of the state newspaper yesterday because I was in Columbia for, for Trish Dobson's wedding to Chris Morris and there wasn't, there wasn't a Gamecock game and that was news down there. I guess there wasn't much happening. So there we are, Trisha and her dad and her her fiance at the time, and Katie and me on the front page of the state newspaper. I knew that, uh, I told somebody, I said, I was on the, on the front page of the newspaper yesterday, and they said, did you raise bail? <laughs> Let's uh, join our hearts in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, it is good that we are together. It is good that we come to share your love with one another. It is a joyful thing always to be in your house and in your presence and to find that you're here not to tear us down, but to build us up. And so we come to you as we are because that's all we've got to bring is ourselves as we are. And we're blessed, Lord, that you will receive us as we are and will give us your strength. And Lord, these are our special prayers for today. We pray for Nell Griggs, uh, Lynn Pennington's mom, who's having a heart catheterization tomorrow to determine uh, percentages of blockages. For Lily McWhite, who was born premature and has some health issues. And we also pray for a family where the dad recently lost his job. We pray for our troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones, and we give you thanks for a good health report. We pray for Joe DeBolt, who's recovering from a motorcycle accident. And we also pray for him because in his self-employment, he is lacking medical insurance and unable to work. We pray for your provisions for his family. We pray for Tracy Coy for encouragement with some family issues. We pray for safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. We pray for a niece and family with marital troubles. We pray for Randy Frick who is recovering from knee surgery. We pray for comfort and healing for Martha and Carl Gibson and comfort and healing for Michael Haas. We offer you a prayer of thanks for the people who have, uh, who have experienced answered prayers and we say to you, Lord, you are indeed good and, and a good companion and we thank you for those answered prayers. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father,
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture reading for today is from Matthew 22. Part of it's very familiar to you and part of it will not be. Verses 34 through 46. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Here ends the lesson. I think I just put a pin in my water. Oh well. Whose son is the Messiah? Back on my first Sunday here as your pastor, just seven and a half years ago, my ser sermon was entitled, Distilling the Commandments. And some of you got real excited because you thought I was going to talk about moonshine. But in that sermon, I spoke with you about how Jesus said that all of the Old Testament laws could be boiled down or distilled into three loving relationships. Loving God, loving and accepting yourself, and loving others. Now I'm sure that you remember every word of that sermon, those of you who were here. I wish I did, but I forget a lot of things these days. Uh, there probably isn't an, a more important text to preach on in the entire Bible than that uh, passage about the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. The rest of the laws in the Bible, and for that matter, the laws in our society, simply try to explain how love should behave in our many relationships with one another. It is also very important, though, for us to learn to love and accept ourselves. The other day I was watching an old... Um, oh, that's a still... I forgot to show you that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was watching an old Dick Van Dyke show recently. Remember that show, some of you that are my age? Uh, Dick Van Dyke 
was, was uh, sick one day on that show, and he was ignoring his son, Richie. Richie cried to, her, to his mother and said, Daddy doesn't like me. And Laura answered, that's not true. Daddy just doesn't like himself very much today. When we don't love ourselves, we aren't very easy to live with and we can't love anybody else. If we don't love our neighbors, though, we have no business claiming that we love God. Now, I don't, I don't say that. The Bible says that. The Bible says we have no business saying we love God if we can't love our neighbor. That's in 1 John. If we grow in our ability to love God with our total being and to love our neighbor uh, from around the world, all our neighbors, with the love that uh, we have for ourselves and that God has for us, we would find ourselves living up to all the laws in the Bible. But today I want to concentrate our thoughts on the second part of the gospel lesson, on that part where Jesus asked the Pharisees, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? When they replied that the Messiah was supposed to be a son of David, Jesus replied, well, if that's true, then how is it that David, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls his son Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Then if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? In the days that led up to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, there were frequent questions and answers between a, a session of, uh, like a, kind of like a press conference between Jesus and his adversaries. Uh, some of the people were sincerely asking questions that they wanted answers for, like the man who said, how do I get eternal life? But some just simply wanted to test Jesus' knowledge, like the man who asked that question about the most important law. Some wanted to ridicule Jesus and the Pharisees for their belief in eternal life, like the one who said, told that story about the woman who married seven brothers and one brother after the other died, and finally she was left alone. And then they laughed and said, now in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Jesus, don't you see how ridiculous it is to believe in life after death? And they were just making fun of Jesus that day. Some questioners hoped that they would ask a wise question that Jesus would pat them on the back for and, and that everybody would say, ooh, this is a smart guy. They wanted to look better. Others wanted to find, uh, to get Jesus tangled up in his words so he might say something they could use against him like they did in his trial when someone said I heard this man say if we tear down our temple he would be able to rebuild it in three days some of them were motivated by the desire to hold on to their power like the ones who asked Jesus who gave you the authority to clean the temple out of the money changers and who gives you the authority to preach and teach Jesus always answered those who had sincere questions with sincere answers. But he answered other questions according to the motivation. The person who was politically motivated uh, by their, their question on authority 
Jesus said, well, let me ask you a question. Where did John the baptizer get his authority? And when they refused to answer him that, he refused to answer them their question. He was indeed the master of those press conferences. All of those questions show beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus knew and understood the Bible better than anyone else. But we should expect that of the one who was the word of God in flesh. After hearing all of their questions, Jesus turned the tables on them and asked them a sincere, serious question, whose son is the Messiah supposed to be? They gave him the standard answer. He is supposed to be David's descendant. Jesus didn't tell them that they were wrong because they weren't, but their answer was incomplete. And Jesus showed them that fact when he asked them another question. If that's true, that the Messiah is David's son, then why would David refer to him as his Lord? No one dared to ask him another question after that. He had uh, silenced them all because they were afraid they would look dumb. Jesus' question muzzled everybody that day, although I doubt that was the reason for his question. What exactly was Jesus saying? Where'd that come from? There's King David. What exactly was Jesus saying in his question and answer about the Messiah? On the surface, it appears that, that uh, Jesus was, was trying to deny the fact that there was a link between King David and the Messiah, leaving open the possibility that the Messiah could be someone else other than a descendant of David. There were those in the uh, times of Jesus who questioned Jesus' ancestry, and in so doing, they questioned his right to claim to be the Messiah. Those who knew that his hometown was Nazareth in Galilee instead of David's city of Bethlehem certainly doubted that Jesus could be the Christ. The chief priest made fun of the people who claimed that Jesus was the Christ by saying, Are you from Galilee too? Search and you will see that no prophet comes from Galilee. Therefore, some people wondered if Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah independent of his heritage. But that interpretation would run contrary to the New Testament writers themselves because they insisted that Jesus was a descendant of David. In fact, there were two separate lineages in the Bible that both lead back to King David. And further, they included Jesus' birth narr narratives that placed him in Bethlehem uh, at, at that time when there was a gathering of David's family. Jesus had really no reason to throw doubts on his historical link to David, so there must have been something else that Jesus was trying to get across to the people. What had been a problem for Jesus, limiting his mobility in Israel, and forcing the bulk of his work to be outside of Judea were the expectations of what the Messiah would be like when he came. Everyone expected the Messiah to raise an army, but Jesus seemed to be content to just raise people's awareness of God in their lives. Oh yeah, occasionally he did raise the dead. 
the Messiah was supposed to purify the nation by destroying the half-committed followers of Moses. But Jesus wasn't doing that. Instead, he was forgiving those sinners and restoring them to a place of full participation in the community. But uh, for the Messiah, he was supposed to restore freedom to Israel by destroying their enemies and driving the Romans out of that area. So why was Jesus saying things like, pray for your enemies and for those that would persecute you? He even healed a servant of a Roman soldier, failing, I guess, to see that he was giving comfort and aid to the enemy. The Messiah was expected to be a, a spiritual leader, to bring enthusiasm in the worship back to the temple. But instead, Jesus of Nazareth was making it impossible for people to worship in the temple, especially that day that he took quips and drove everybody out. On one occasion, Jesus said that it wasn't important where you worshiped. What was important was how you worshiped in spirit and truth. And who would have ever figured out that the Messiah's idea of how to restore the relationship between God and people would be by the sacrificial death of the Messiah and the victory that he won in the battle against sin and death on the cross. Most challenging of all, Jesus would rather wear the clothing of a servant than the robes of royalty. His understanding of how the Messiah should live was in stark contrast of that of the man on the street, for, and for that matter with all the people who were of, of religious authority. So Jesus quoted Psalm 110 not to deny his link to David, but rather to say he was more than they were looking for. There was more to being the Messiah. He was broadening their view a bit. David, speaking in uh, speaking the word of God while under the inspiration of the Spirit, called the Messiah Lord rather than Son, because the Christ was to be more than just a mere human. Jesus was to be Lord as well as Son. In the understanding of Jesus and the early church, David's words should be translated this way, the Lord God Almighty said to the Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make enemies your footstool. In Acts 2, Peter quotes that same passage to say that Jesus had indeed been raised from the dead and was to be seated at the right hand of the Father, ascended into heaven to await the time when God would subdue all of his enemies. And after those enemies were subdued, um, God would restore the Messiah here on earth and bring him or send him back. So when God completes his work of making Christ's enemy his footstool, the Messiah will return to reign. So Jesus really wasn't trying to trick the scribes or to muzzle them by asking them a difficult to understand question. What he was really trying to do was to broaden their narrow vision and their narrow interpretation of scripture that was preventing them from seeing him as the Messiah. The Messiah, yes, would come from Bethlehem and be a descendant of David, but even more than that, he would come from God, Lord in the sense that God was Lord. The scribes couldn't understand that, but the disciples did. They went into all the world to proclaim, 
let everyone know assuredly that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we share the affirmation of faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated and let us worship God as we give to him this morning. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think about these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Whatever you've learned or you've received or heard from seen in me do these things and the God of peace will be with you rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again Rejoice, rejoice, oh rejoice, the Lord is near, 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 rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Stand and sing with us.
you go forth with your mind perhaps broadened to think of Jesus as both human and divine who walks with you through this life and who is our Lord and Messiah. Amen. Thank you. 
have a great week.